Thank you for joining us today on the podcast where we talk about the December issue of Hepatology. And with me today, I have Kirsten Boonstra, who is the first author on a paper entitled Population-Based Epidemiology, Malignancy Risk, and Outcome of Primary Sclerosing Cholangitis. And it's certainly an honor to have her on the phone with me today, all the way from Amsterdam, to discuss her paper, which is in this issue, as we mentioned. And it's a, a fantastic study. It's a, it's a population-based retrospective study looking at all kinds of aspects of primary sclerosis and cholangitis. And interestingly, most epidemiologic studies on PSC have been performed in specialized centers where we see uh, selection bias, referral bias. In fact, uh, between uh, 1984 and 2012, only five high-quality population-based studies, collectively numbering 96 PSC patients, were published, showing incidence rates of 0 to 1.6 per 100,000 inhabitants. And so it's a breath of fresh air to have a study like this where we actually have uh, well over 500 patients that were followed for quite a long time. And so I would like to uh, turn it over to Kirsten and tell us a little bit about maybe in a couple uh, uh, words how you designed your study. Well, hello, Stephen, and thank you for the invitation. Well, we set this study up quite some years ago. And we based our case-finding strategy on a paper by two authors, uh, Matt, Kelvin, and James. And um, they published uh, guidelines years ago saying that you should combine several hospital databases in order to, uh, to find as many uh, patients possible. And we started this study in 2008. And we got in contact with all the uh, gastroenterologists uh, in the region of uh, 44 hospitals. And then we started checking all these databases. And these databases are pathology databases, hospital billing systems. And, of course, every almost all physicians have personal uh, registries of patients. So we start combining all the registries. And, and we visited every single hospital. And we checked every single case. And I think that's the strength of this study, that we combined several databases and that we, we checked every single case to make sure that the diagnosis was correct before entering these patients in a, in a large database. So that's basically the, the beginning of this study. And, and just go through with our audience how long you collected data, what the, how long patients were followed, and, and that sort of thing. Well, the data collection period was very long. We, we included every single patient that was alive after 2000. So because before you have to draw a line because you want to make sure that you don't miss any data. So we included every single patient that lived in the area and was alive on January 1st of 2000. And then we followed them until the end of the uh, study. But these patients may have had their diagnosis in the, in the 70s or in the 80s. So uh, many patients were followed for quite some time while entering the, the database. And during data collection, we also uh, started following these patients prospectively. So but once they were entered in the, in the uh, database, we started collecting yearly updates of these patients up to January 2012. And this study, of course, is still continuing. So we're still collecting this data. But for this particular paper, 
patients were followed up until uh, January of 2012. So your, your mean follow-up from diagnosis until death or end of study was 92 months. You had a, a big range, zero to yeah, 470 yeah. months. Some of the interesting findings, some of this kind of correlated with what we already know. The mean age was about 39 years of age, which kind of coincides with what we talk about in the literature of a mean age of diagnosis of about 40. And then the majority were male, which is, again, kind of in line with what we know. There were some interesting findings, though, that maybe were, were different or were certainly enlightening, particularly in reference to the incidence and prevalence of disease, colon cancer, and maybe even cholangiocarcinoma. I was wondering if you could comment on a couple of those unique findings of your study. Yeah, of course, the association between PSC and colorectal carcinoma is known. But what we saw was that the risk of developing cholangiocarcinoma compared to the uh, to the age and gender matched population is for almost 400 times. So that's the huge risk for PSC patients. And we also see that developing cholangiocarcinoma or colorectal carcinoma is one of the biggest threats during disease course. Because it's such a large group of patients, we had quite some patients developing cholangiocarcinoma. And some studies before us said that these cholangiocarcinomas develop in the first few years. But what we saw was that it's a gradual increase in risk. So, for instance, the risk of developing cholangiocarcinoma was after 30 years, 20% after 30 years. So that's quite high risk. And for colorectal carcinoma, the risk is somewhat smaller. It's 13% after 30 years. But what we saw was that the risk of developing colorectal carcinoma in PSC patients with ulcerative colitis is 10 times higher than when you compare, compare it to an ulcerative colitis patient without PSC. And what struck us also was that, of course, in all the guidelines, we always advise to do uh, surveillance colonoscopies for PSC patients starting a diagnosis. What we saw was that still several patients weren't followed up and didn't receive these surveillance colonoscopies. And when you compare patients that did receive yearly or two times so colonoscopy every two years, is that the risk of dying of your of a colorectal carcinoma is diminished when you do surveillance colonoscopies. So early detection of colorectal cancer in these patients was beneficial. So we, we also would like to stress with this paper that, that surveillance colonoscopies are very important because these patients, these PC patients, develop uh, colorectal carcinoma at a very young age. So what we know from ulcerative colitis is that you should start surveillance colonoscopies after 8 or 10 years, but in PC you should start at diagnosis because these patients are 20 years younger when they develop their colorectal carcinoma than IBD patients. Yeah, and I think, you know, figure 5 in your paper kind of highlights what you just mentioned. And I think that's a key point. Another point that I would like to uh, discuss with you briefly is what your study showed in reference to NSAID use and liver transplantation in PSC patients. Do you mean the, the risk factors? And um, Yeah, well, so the, your study described for the first time a negative association between NSAID use and liver transplantation. Yeah, so I was yeah. 
wondering if you could comment on that a little bit more. Yeah, and that, that was something that we didn't expect when we started this study. But we registered medication use, of course, in, in these patients. And, of course, we were looking at UDCA. And the problem was that, that almost all patients were using UDCA. So we, we couldn't really distinguish uh, a difference between patients using it and, and not using it. But something that came up was that NSAIDs have a beneficial effect when you look at the endpoint liver transplantation. And that's something that we don't have a clear-cut explanation for that. But we speculate in a, in a discussion that this might have something to do with the development of fibrosis. And there are some studies in mice and some in humans as well that suggest that NSAIDs, and then especially the COX inhibitors, they are able to at least slow the process of inflammation and fibrosis. And this could very well be an explanation why we see that NSAID use is beneficial, although it's a little bit strange that it is beneficial for the endpoint liver transplantation, but we couldn't see a direct effect in the multivariate analysis on PEC-related deaths. So that's something we're not really sure about whether NSAIDs are beneficial for all endpoints in PC, Perhaps it doesn't prevent cholangial carcinoma, uh, which is the main cause of death in, uh, in PC patients. But we should study this further, and I think it's, it's interesting. Uh, you, you see more and more studies coming up about NSAIDs and cancer development, for instance. And I think it's interesting to see whether NSAIDs are beneficial in PEC and, and what the mechanism is, especially because we have so little uh, therapeutic options in PEC that every option sh should be taken into account, I think. Well, I think that's a great point, and certainly further investigation is needed prospectively to, to kind of tease out some of that data, but, but the data is definitely intriguing. and seems like more and more data is coming out in line with the findings that you found in other liver disease. So I think, you know, that's certainly an area that, that deserves further investigation. So I think just in summary, uh, you know, your, your study found the incidence and prevalence rates of PSC are markedly lower and survival is much longer than previously reported. And I think the findings in colon cancer and I think the findings with NSAIDs are very intriguing. Any final thoughts for us as we uh, wrap up this segment? I think it's important to mention that we do see that the incidence of prevalence is lower and the survival is longer, but I think it's important to mention that this study was a very large population-based study, and I think that when we study rare diseases, we should also always look at large population-based studies because what we saw in PEC was that, of course, many studies have been performed in the past, but if you do a study in, in a liver transplantation center, of course there's bias. Of course you see patients that have a disease course that's different than patients that, that are not transferred to a transplantation center. And I think that's, that's one of the main messages of this paper, that when looking at diseases like PSC, always take into account where the study was performed. I think that's important. And do surveillance in all your PEC patients because what we saw in the study, and we would like to stress that, is that colorectal carcinoma is 
still a major issue in PSC patients. It's the fourth cause of death in these patients. And the cholangial carcinoma is something we, we cannot survey at this moment, at least not to an extent we would like to do it. But colorectal carcinoma is something we can survey. So I think that's important to for all gastroenterologists and internal medicine uh, doctors to know. Absolutely. Well, again, thank you for taking your time this evening. I know it's, uh, you know, after 8 o'clock in the evening there, Amsterdam time. I certainly look forward to further studies from your, your group in reference to this disease and other diseases. So thank you again for your time. Well, thank you for the invitation. Okay. Have a great evening. Bye-bye.